we are, without any doubt, heading into inflationary times. In fact, we've been in inflationary times. What does that mean for you if you are a producer? What should you be doing to protect yourself? What changes might you need to make? How will this be vastly different than farming just from a few years ago? We're going to cover all that and more. We're talking about farming in inflationary times with Lee Lubers, Gregory, South Dakota. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. More than just a podcast, it's the place for insights you can apply immediately to your farm operation for increased success. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Ag Explore. With innovative products that improve fertilizer efficiency, protect yield, and reduce stress, Ag Explore helps maximize field potential. Find out how Ag Explore can help you get more out of your crop at agexplore.com. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, we are talking right now about farming and inflationary times. I've got Lee Lubers, one of the founding fathers of Extreme Ag. This is Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve, and we bring you everything from agronomics to soil health to new products to trials to the business side of farming. You know, farming has this neat thing where everybody has this nostalgia. They like the red barns and the old silos, and that's cool. And there's this real family tie to it, and it evokes a lot of emotion. But as I always point out, farming is also a business, and there are going to be some business challenges. Lee, before we hit record, you said there's a lot of guys out here farming that are younger than 40 that have no idea what this looks like and what we might be heading into. And you and I both agree. We lived through the 80s, and we're not pulling that walking uphill both ways through a snowstorm but we are saying we've been here before um your initial thoughts um here we are we're recording this in november of 2022 we got here with a tsunami of inflation uh data and we also have interest rates that have pretty much doubled or more in the last six months talk to me well uh the era of uh cheap money cheap finance yeah it was great for the world of agriculture but it was not the norm. And uh, being a child of the 80s and seeing the very high interest cost and what it did to operations just uh, completely wiped out operations. The cost of money was too expensive for what they could generate. Uh, I don't expect that to happen. But uh, one thing I pointed out to people, and it really caught their attention when we get visiting, they go, well, it can't go back to 18%. And I said, no, it doesn't have to, because we all handle so much more money and farming is so much more capitally intensive than it was back in the 80s. Eight to 10% money on on the volume we're handling is huge. It's a huge bite out of your profit margin. And cost of money is real. And I think people need to develop that mindset. And what's in the rearview mirror? Forget about the cheap money era. Uh, Real quickly here, because we're going to cover a lot of ground, and I like it. I'm glad you suggested this, by the way. So listeners, I want you to know, uh, Lee suggests this topic, and I love it, because we don't cover quite enough of this angle, I don't think. And that's why uh, I'm so glad we're doing this, because this is really good stuff. Inflation doesn't mean interest rates. And I think that there's some people that they love growing soybeans and man, they get really dialed into things like the, uh, the agronomic talks that we have about making sure there's an adequate calcium in the subsoil strata. That's cool. But they usually shy away from the business side of this. And Lee, you've got an office, you sit there, you talk to me about making sure you've got a great relationship with your banker, you know, your accountant, looking at all your numbers because it's a business. So interest rate increases 
and inflation are two different things. They've always gone hand in hand. And the last time they did this, as you point out, interest rates went to 18% by the year 1982. And you said, they don't have to go there again. We're already talking about a huge increase in interest rates. Somebody might be listening to saying, well, I don't understand why that's going to impact me. Give me a couple of the reasons why. And and I, I've got a couple of things I'd like to contribute as well. Uh, well, I remember the first year that we hit uh, right at a million dollar gross in the operation. And I remember we were working with a local accountant at that time before we moved to our current accountant. And they just stared at that and they couldn't believe. They said, we've never, I said, I've never seen a farm do that before. Now we spend more than that on fertilizer. Yeah, right, 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 right. We, and that's because of two things. The cost of fertilizer is up and your size of operation. And the co- of course, so- scale of operations usually goes up because when you produce commodities, the margins are usually pretty thin. So size and scale is the, usually the, the game that you have to play to get your, to, to have your return. Yeah. And then also uh, the, there's the fallacy of, well, if you get bigger, it just gets cheaper. No, the economies of scale will only take you so far then you plateau out, then it comes down to managing your business, uh, uh, plain and simple, no matter what your size is. And we are definitely in inflationary times. And generally, if you look back over history, it's not a six month deal. It's not a brief shortage. It's a protracted period. It can be two years to seven years as things adjust during that period before they plateau out again. Or if they pull back, you're still 70% higher than you was before. Uh, you know, fertilizer used to be urea 180 a ton. Now you're, there's times we're hitting a thousand a ton, you know, it takes a lot more to farm than it ever did before. So the cost of money becomes a real substantial thing when you're taking so much more to operate. Okay. So I just want to throw this out there because I, I mean, we just talked about the commodity production is capital intensive. It is. And and usually you have small margins. I mean, this is whether you're making aluminum cans or corn, when you are in commodity production, usually your margins are squeezed down to being not that great. And you have a lot of capital tied up. It's the same way, you know, again, anything you manufacture is commodity or if you mine copper, whatever. And so usually you're using loaned money. And so I got, I just pulled this up. The statement from farm credit. Now, I don't really borrow operating money because I'm not a real farmer like, you know, like my man Lee here. But they have a operating loan uh, that I, I could use if I wanted to. And they're telling me here that it's going up from 7.35% to the new rate is 8.1%. That's double from what it was, say, one year ago. Now, the average person says, wait, inter- operating money, if you needed to use a operating loan was 4%. Now it's 8%. And they'll say it went up 4%. Lee, it didn't go up 4%. It went up 100%. When you go from four to eight, it's not going up 4%. It's going up 100%. People are like, no, that's not right. Look at it this way. If you need this pin that I'm holding in my hand for your business, 
And that's what money is. Money is an input. And I think a lot of farmers don't think that way. Money is an input, just like buying fertilizer or diesel fuel. Money is an input. So if the cost of that money goes from four to eight percent, it essentially doubled because it just like if this gallon of Roundup or this ton of fertilizer went up from four dollars to eight dollars. It's the same kind of a thing. And I think that a lot of folks don't get that because it doesn't seem real to them that it's a doubling when it goes from four to eight. And it absolutely is. And when you put that over your operating as much acres and, and uh, machinery, et cetera, it becomes prohibitive, doesn't it? Uh, definitely. Uh, back about 10 years ago, I was sitting there at TPAP down in uh, Austin and sitting there in class and they brought in a uh, banking expert who uh, consults not just with major banks in the United States and all the major ag banks, but actually worldwide. And he talked about the cheap money era. And there was people my age and there was a lot of people that were 15 years younger than me. And they have never seen a true cost of money. They have farmed in the era of cheap money, easy credit. He said, you do realize, and this person is very intelligent. This is what he does. He goes, the average cost of money is seven and a half to nine and a half percent. He says, that's what you should be paying. And the crowd just gasped. And they said, we can't do that. And they go, get ready. It's coming back. It will come back. So the shock of what it is now, people need to realize we're just starting to enter the more normal zone for cost of money. Yeah. I mean, your capital expenditures, that's how, that's what it is. It's that's how you're going to secure your inputs. So that just increased the cost of inputs right there, not counting the actual input themselves going up, as we've all experienced here in the last year. You know, we went through contraction. Now yeah. it's big expansion. So we're dealing with multiple inputs that are 20% to 100% higher. Then we're adding cost of money increases on top of it. Yeah, so really the, the interest rate and inflation stuff goes hand in hand. And if, you know, the person listening to this is like, why is that? Well, we're raising it. We're not. The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates to contain inflation. And so it ends up being a double whammy, as Lee just said. The stuff you're buying, the gallons of stuff, the inputs, the, the you know, whatever it is, is more expensive. God knows, look at diesel right now. And then also to you to get money to buy it, you're also paying more for it. So we've got this real increasing cost arena. And so we're talking about how to combat that. So let's get into that. You've got really rapid increasing costs for the goods as well as the money to attain the goods. What do you do? It's time to make sure you have a very good relationship with your lender, an open relationship, and sit down and talk about it openly. And like, hey, this is where we're headed. What do we need to do? And try to come up with ideas. Uh, in times like this, it's definitely, well, <clears throat> there's inflationary pressures and there's also supply chain we're dealing with. So securing your inputs, yeah. uh, doing that earlier is to your advantage for two different reasons. Uh, a, to make sure you got it. And then also, usually you're getting paid well on it for your cost of money because they're usually going to be higher in three, six, or 12 months 
when you're in an inflationary period. All right, let me stop you right there. So first off, your first recommendation was we're we're heading in a time where money is starting to have its true cost versus the artificial arena we played in for really what the last decade, uh, for sure the last five years, when you're talking about 3% money on land and 4% operating money, whatever, even it was even lower than that in some cases. So meet with your lender because if things are really good, people get that wrong. Oh, I got, I got to go and meet with the banker. Things are bad. Maybe you should meet with the banker when things are good. <laughs> Make sure you've got a plan in place, right? Absolutely. Uh, that relationship is so critical for everyone's success, your success and their success, because you're intertwined. Uh, they're your working partner. Uh, we sit down with our bank uh, actually multiple times a year. Uh, we have it coming up here within the next month. And it's not just tax planning, but we're going to sit down and go through our whole operation. And we are going to be sitting there going through marketing. Also, we're going to have our accountant in the room and everything up on the screen. And we are going to do scenarios for the next 12 months of, okay, uh, fertilizers up another 20%. How does that affect our bottom line? Uh, we already know seed is going, going to go up one of the biggest increases in probably a decade. We're all going to deal with that. Uh, start running essentially shock scenarios like, okay, if we're going to add 20, 30% on input side uh, increases, how does that affect our bottom line with today's markets? How do we manage that risk? So it's basically, it's looking at big picture strategy. And I think that's very important. Be more proactive instead of going, oh man, what do I do? So what I like right there, you just said, when you get with the lender, it's not just, hey, how you doing? And, and uh, drinking coffee. It's let's do some scenario. I, I almost I call it situational uh, planning. Um, here's a hypothetical situation. You know, the big bank, call, they talk about stress tests where they do sort of war games, if you will. What if we have to absorb 20% more cost here? then you're just running through those scenarios and it's pretty easy. You're looking at a, a spreadsheets and then boom, it punches out what the answer is, right? Exactly. And there, and most of them are already doing it internally on uh, you and all the customers anyways, because that's how they keep a competitive edge. And that's what you want to do also. Uh, so really it's, if you can just get where you have that relationship where you share that information you can start to see potential weaknesses months ahead before anyone else does. And all of a sudden the weakness becomes a strength because you're ahead of the eight, you're ahead of that ball. Yeah. You're on top of things. You're going to get it handled. Yeah. So meet with the lender, but don't just meet with them and, and shake hands and yuck and yuck. Sit there and actually do situational planning. What if, and then put, plug those scenarios into a spreadsheet and then you're going to know where your weaknesses are, where you're vulnerable and what you can do right now to protect that. Obviously the, the old thing used to be get short, get your money line, get your cheaper money lined up as long-term as you can. Well, that count that you know that horse left the barn, right? You're you're dealing with current interest rates. Unless you somehow have a, a situation where you can retroactively go back and set an interest rate, you're probably dealing with these current rates. Um, should we lock these in? Is it going to get worse? That sounds like it is in the next year, right? Uh, if you haven't done anything by now, I I wish that a person would have. I mean, there was a very good window to do that proactive lenders were actually talking about that 
So that that's one advantage we have over the 80s. I think a lot of people have done that uh, with their lenders. But yet still, day-to-day operating, uh, a person is exposed to a much higher cost of money and going forward. So uh, I'm not what you call, I don't think, a pessimistic person. But when I meet with our accountant and our lender and we look at big picture and we dig down into our operation, I'll ask what do, you, what do you see that we could do better? What are we doing wrong? Yeah. Where do you see a ratio? If it's moving from green to yellow, uh, anything's changing. What do you see? Uh, because we want to stop that yellow before it turns to red. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we want to do because that's you don't you want to avoid problems. So you got to. I, I find it interesting. You talk about sitting down and you even ask what, what do we need to be doing? And I don't think that enough operators do that. They don't, you know, they like the idea that they're independent rather than looking at, listen, let's make the bank our business partner because we might have some vulnerability here heading into this kind of a situation. And there will be, there's going to be some stress. I mean, we're, we're in a really good situation right now, Lee. Commodity prices are good. Um, farm income is going to be really good this year. And we got, but there's going to be some stress you're thinking come next year, right? Uh, well, there's going to be that time coming, uh, regretfully, when uh, beans drop, three or $4 a bushel, corn drops, $2. Start doing that shock test in your operation. Things change in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not being doom and gloom. It's just part of the cycle. And so the more you can do to stay ahead of that, uh, through managing your risk by good marketing plans, securing profit, uh, relationship with your lender, working relationships with your key suppliers. You're all on the same team. You're in this together. Yeah. And start treating people like they're on the outside, they're your enemy. It's not, it's not going to lead to good success long term. So we're going to talk about inputs. That was the next thing, because I want to stay on the lender and the spreadsheet stuff, which again, I know this is probably boring compared to folks that just love to talk about how to get an extra bushel of wheat out of a field. But this, if there's not the money and you don't have this going, there's no next year to worry about that extra bushel of wheat. You've got a substantial, you said when you first grossed a million dollars, your farming operation, the accountant just stared at the numbers. Now you spend more than that on fertilizer. Inputs are a big expense. You got to have them. There's a window to buy them. There's always these deals. Maybe we should, you know, sign up with the retailer in the fall. And then the companies want to get stuff sold and get the money before the new year. Then there's the tax planning, et cetera. What's your strategy in inflationary times on inputs, Lee? Uh, It's a multitude of things. Uh, It's a relationship with your lender, uh, sitting down, going through things with your accountant, Talking to your key suppliers well ahead in advance for the next year about availability, how to secure things, what's our best buying opportunity. It could be buying products and having them in storage and insured because the cost of them, you don't want to have a fire take a half million dollars out of your pocket. Insuring those with your insurance agent, there's a multitude of things. It it comes down to Look at your risk. You define your risk. What are they? And then try to come up with ideas. How do we manage that? And that's how we look at everything in our operation. Define our risk. You know, usually, Lee, it made sense to not hold anything. 
um, let let the retailer down the road hold this stuff because a it's something that I got to put under a roof and and have space for. Um, B why let my money be tied up? I'll just go get the crap uh, come March April. But that mind shift cha- mindset changed with availability issues. All of a sudden, we knew that China wasn't producing the inert ingredients, so therefore the chemical couldn't work or couldn't even get bottled up or whatever. Now it's a different thing. You're saying it might be supply chain, but it also might be smart to buy the crap when it's a deal. And in other words, you're holding it versus waiting and paying more for it later. I'm, I'm wondering if that's what I'm hearing. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, we will hold the physical product or we will have an agreement. We'll have a written contract with the supplier where they are holding it for us, but we know we're guaranteed because we went from easy, ready, available, about everything to just-in-time inventories as companies were starting to trans transition into that prior to COVID to now it's like, we don't have it. There isn't even the inventories at times. So the era has changed. So we have to change with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it cheaper now? I mean, I know that companies want to get rid of stuff. They used to talk about you can buy your seed and you pay less if you pay for it by like December 31st. Those deals are going around right now in the countryside. Yes. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, reach out to your people and that you work with and start having those conversations. Uh, I am surprised of how many deals that there are out there in the industry for as tight as inventories are and as how elevated prices are compared to even a year ago. So here's the thing. I just talked about 8% money at farm credit. Can I justify buying something now that I don't need until May? Here it is you know, six months from now when I'm paying 8%. The point really simply there is I've got to save more than 8% on the input to justify paying for it now, right? Yeah, uh, but I'm surprised how many people are offering, uh, retailers are offering much better discounts than that. So you're still getting paid well for your cost of money, even though the cost of money is substantially higher. So if you can swing it, and maybe some folks can't because they're a little bit tight, but if you can swing it, if you're paying 8% for your money, but you're saving 15% on an input that you don't need till May, it's still smarter to buy the input now and pay for the interest. Uh, Money saved is money made. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we're talking about farming in inflationary times. Um, what about the fact that um, the machinery, uh, my God, it's already always mind boggling. They're going to probably be able to push along some big numbers. What's your strategy on farming in inflationary times on machinery? Should I just go ahead and roll out uh, some old case 1570s, uh, buy them at auction for $8,000 and, and uh, have uh, 40-year-old machines out here? What should I do? Uh, I guess really find what works for you. There's individual operations where they make the role where they flip everything each year, uh, work. Uh, but that's going to start, that's changing now with the cost of money, uh, because that's increasing that amount that you have on loan substantially. So that's going to increase people that are flipping equipment each year, uh, quite a bit. Uh, then when you start taking half million dollar pieces of equipment, they go, Oh, yeah, it's going up 12% for this next year. Oh, there's $60,000 more for the same item as it was a year ago. 
uh, that's leading this to a bite. Uh, we're seeing that in combines. Uh, we ourselves, we do every piece individually, and then we look at it for how long we want to run it to when it pencils out. Uh, actually, I have it in the other part of the office. I have a four-page spreadsheet that I went and took every piece of equipment of substantial value, which is most things anymore, right. and it all out and what year it is, how many hours we have on it, how many hours or acres we put on it per year, and what we feel we are very proactive in preventive maintenance, what we feel the lifespan is in our operation, and when maybe that's going to come into a trade schedule. And that has been a huge tool, not just for ourselves, but for our lender and our accountant, because we can use that to our advantage in either low income or high income years. We can start moving these pieces around where it makes a lot more sense to the business. And also, you're not walking into your banker and going, well, I need to trade five things. Yep. You can start a bite here, a bite there. Yeah, and yep. these three times, it really comes out to your advantage. But that four-page spreadsheet simplified so many decisions. You don't own enough machinery to farm all of your acres, at least harvest all of your acres. And it's you said before we recorded, it's not necessarily because of the management of the iron. It's management of human capital. It's you and your brother and what, two hired guys that farm those mm -hmm. acres there? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so that's not enough to run six semis and, and three grain carts and, you know, five combines. You hire that done. In inflationary times, does it hiring custom work smarter or less smart for your bottom line? Or does it matter? Uh, it's worked in prior times and it still works for us now. Uh, the iron's always been the easy part of the equation. You can always find it. Somebody's always going to write you a note for it. But at what cost? But then you've got to have capable people to run those pieces of equipment then when you're not harvesting, then, okay, we need to have trucks on the road. We have to do this. We have to do extra things to keep people employed where we've, we, we crunch the numbers on buying versus hiring. And we look at that every year and we look at what's to our best advantage. So we own one machine that we maximize out and we run a lot of acres through. And uh, it's very, and that works out very cheaply per acre for us. But to go do three or four machines, then our cost goes way up mm -hmm. for capital uh, of machinery and of people. Our cost breaker gets very elevated in a hurry. So we are doing it this way where our custom harvester, he's starting in Texas with crews and all the way to the Canadian border. He's spreading it out over multiple months, multiple jobs. So we're getting somewhat, we're getting that cost advantage when we're paying by the acre. All right. Well, answer me this. We, we're, the Wall Street Journal sends me, uh, you know, headlines on my phone all day long. And um, I, uh, I, I just got the one this morning that year over year inflation now is up 7.7%. We've come down from 8.2. Of course, that excludes energy and food which are two items 
which I've always marveled at the government when they don't admit how bad things are. Well, yeah, with the exception of energy and food. Well, there's two things that I need every single day. I need my heat to work. I, so, so I'm not freezing in my house. I need to be able to get to work. That's gasoline. And I also need to eat. But anyway, excluding those things, 7.7%. What about the person that comes to you and says, hey, I'm a younger guy and I really look up to you, Lee. You know, you got a good operation. You give good advice. Um, I'm having a record year of revenue. I'm having a really good year on my farm because it's a good year. I mean, if, unless you're we're out west where the yields were really hurt by the rain, but let's say around my part of the world, looks like we have tremendous yields here in Northeast Indiana. I made a whole bunch of money. Um, this equipment's going to keep going up. We got, you know, seven to 10% inflation. Um, maybe I should just buy a bunch of equipment now, get as much money off my books as I can. Maybe I should be over-equipped because that machine is going to be worth, the inflation is going to make it so much more cost prohibitive to buy two, one, two, and four years from now. Should a person go crazy buying equipment this year to A, get money off their books and B, buy it before it goes up another 10% per year for the next three years? Uh, we're fans of building working capital and uh, every piece of iron you buy, no matter what color, it's a depreciating asset. It's a cost of doing business. Uh, I love what I do for a job, but every piece of equipment we use, doesn't matter if we wax our tractors and our sprayers, our combine, it doesn't matter. It's still a depreciating asset. There's a cost to it. And the person that, the person that says, the person says, yeah, but that's just for taxes that you depreciate your taxes. The heck of it is, if the new ones are going up 11% next year and I buy it this year, I made 11% on this thing refute that uh not necessarily uh dealers are going to make sure they make money <laughs> who do they make from well they make it from customers so uh, it does it does become somewhat complex because i can see people making this argument i actually was on your side but i was proposing the thing pretending that i wasn't so you'd say just because times are good doesn't mean go out and over equip uh no i don't think so because uh good times only last so long and Yes, bad times only last so long, but uh, we know tougher times will be coming and lower lower grain prices. That That's part of the cycle. Uh, we're big fans of working capital. That's what your lender uh, looks at. What is your working capital ratio? Uh, yes, we are updating two pieces of equipment. Uh, we were able to, what we felt was a good deal, and we are updating a sprayer, our second sprayer, and uh, one main tractor, but we're not getting carried away because working capital is king. What about, uh, and by the way, to the person who's listening to this and says, hey, man, I really love growing crops, but I'm not sure all this business stuff, I didn't really like to take my accounting class. Um, working capital, define it in three sentences to really simplify it. Staying in business. <laughs> That's three words. Uh, working capital means the money that you've got that you can dig into. Um, if uh, if I would say it's the money you can dig into uh, regardless of revenue. Is that the, a good way of looking at it? We know that we're going to be able to pay our bills based on revenue coming in, but it's the money you can dig into to keep the business going. That's how I would define it simply. Does that make sense? Uh, very much so. Uh, when times get tough, you want to be the last guy in the room when they turn out the lights. That's 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 the reason okay so farm, farming and inflationary times talked about the lender we talked about the spreadsheet talked about really doing a stress test for your operation and then you talked about 
inputs. Then you talked about <clears throat> it's smart to go ahead and buy stuff, if, especially if you can get 15, 20, 25% discounts to pay early. You can justify an 8% operating loan if you can get it uh, because you're getting a deal. It might mean you have to warehouse some stuff, but it could also make you money in doing so. That's one way to combat inflation. Then you talked about machinery. If it's smart to move it, yes, but let's not let's not use increasing prices of machinery as an excuse to go on a buying frenzy at the Louisville Farm Show and say, I'll buy one of these, one of those, one of those, one of these, one of that. Okay. What else do I need to know about farming in inflationary times? These are these are good times. I mean, there, I, I I have not tried to come across as cynical uh, during this podcast. I mean, there are opportunities out there. I mean, it's a good time to be farming. Uh, yes, the business aspect is critically important, and yes, the happiest I am is boots on the ground out in the field. Uh, the office is, you know, not my first place I want to be, but. A lot of the business ideas that uh, my brother and I come up with, they are out in the field. They're not sitting in the office. We're out doing things, and then it leads to a conversation, and then it leads to a conversation with our lender. Or there's times I just pick up the phone, and I'll call our accountant, and I'll say, hey, Adam, I've got this idea. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And bounce ideas off your sounding board. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have uh, an actual... Uh, board of advisors for your operation, that's great. But really, use your working partners as your sounding board uh, to discuss these things and say, what are your thoughts? Or what are you seeing out there uh, in, in the farming world? And sometimes they're seeing trends develop before you even do. Yeah. And if you're in it before the other guy, you're money ahead. Yeah, I, I agree on the sounding board. And the one thing that we didn't touch on, because we talked about a lot of the things that are involved in farming, and the one thing we, did, we talked about machinery, all the crop inputs from seed to chemicals to fertilizer, and we talked about the money. The one input we haven't talked about, you have no farming operation if you have no land. Right now, land in my part of the world is up 100% from 75 to 100% from where it was, say, four years ago. Maybe it's not quite that where you are. Right now, with inflationary times and higher interest. Are you a buyer or are you neutral on property? Uh, we uh, have just bought a piece of property and uh, the numbers made sense and it worked for us. And yes, we are elevated like every other place in the country. It doesn't matter where you are. Prices are up substantially. Uh, but we're not getting the mindset of like, uh, it's just going to keep going up and up and up and up because I've talked to uh, land management groups and uh, some very large ag lenders out there. And they said, we've seen huge increase here, but it's going off. And I mean, sometimes no matter what it is, everything's got to go and just take a breath for a second. Right. And I think that kind of seeing in land doesn't mean it's going to drop again. No, no. Uh, but it's kind of like we're kind of at a pause period right now. And uh, some of the land. And, and, by, and by the way, that's probably situational. Maybe in Arkansas down where Matt Miles is, they're not in a pause, but they'll probably get there because the trend usually, as you're saying, Lee, is when you've got elevated prices, 
through inflation, et cetera, demand. Uh, a bunch of people got cash. They want to put it somewhere. And then you've got these interest rates going up. We've seen this before. It can't run forever. So does it go, does it crash? Eh, probably not. But it also doesn't, uh, it doesn't go up 25%. 31% is what it is here year over year, 35%. It ain't, ain't going to be able to do that forever, right? Exactly. Uh, from some of the good sources that I use and work with, uh, when we've talked, it's kind of like the consensus is there is some of that, uh, what the excess cash was there from that period, uh, it's been parked in property. Now, when uh, you start looking at a land node at eight, nine percent, it starts to lose its luster. So uh, that's what's kind of led to, the, I think, the plateauing effect to a certain degree. Uh, it hasn't dropped. It hasn't dropped anywhere from what I'm seeing or anyone else. But it's kind of hit its level for, I think, now for what available excess money is out there that was willing to get parked into property. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it hasn't, depending on where you're listening, you know, we got people from all over Wisconsin to Nebraska to North Carolina to whatever it, it may, maybe is not right in your neighborhood doing that. But the point is in general, that's what will happen and is happening in places where that it's a leveling it's, it'll, it's, it's had a huge ascent. It'll level and it probably will decline. So your answer there was, uh, you said you're a buyer, but you're not going whole hog on buying. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, if it makes sense, we're all in, but it's got to make sense. You know, I mean, it's, we don't buy for ego. We don't do it on an impulse. It's a business decision. So if it drops, if the land you just bought drops 15%, are you still okay? It's not going to hurt us because we were lucky enough to uh, be proactive. We bought, we have a good land base that was bought at a much you know, lower price than what we are now. And, yeah. and no, not believe in cost averaging. Every piece of property has a stand on its own. I'm a firm believer in that. And so is anybody who's uh, well-versed in ag econ uh, that cost averaging does not work. So, but even that- but, property, but, but we do it, but farmers love to do it. They dollar cost average from the acre they're buying today to what they bought back in 1997. And you're not really supposed to do that, but they do it. Oh yeah, it, it's it's out there. I mean, people, everybody can do what they want. They, <laughs> I, I, it's it's their operation, but that's not not how uh, Lee and Terry Lubers are going to do it. Right, I mean, right, right. Uh, uh, we're in it long term. We're fourth generation. It's it's gonna you know it'll be the fifth someday, and so on. It's it's a it's, we're a legacy based business, and we're not going to stay that way by doing rash decisions. Okay, so you talked about all the inputs, and including land, and your point was if it makes sense. And then so the person that says right now, man, I don't know, uh, interest rates are high, et cetera, it may not make sense for them. But you're saying that's situational, situational based on your numbers. Exactly, yeah. Uh, sit down with your lender and crunch the numbers and run some scenarios. Yeah. Like you said, if it drops 15%, how is that going to affect me? Is it is it going to throttle my business, my whole entire business down? Then you got to ask yourself: Is that pride of ownership worth it? Right. Even if you'd love to own it, is it going to mm -hmm. be worth? It? Is it worth jeopardizing 
your operation for that piece of property. I love the topic. This is uh, from the from the seasoned veteran that is Lee Lubers, Gregory, South Dakota. Close us out here. Last thoughts, farming inflationary times. What's your final thought, uh, final quip, final soundbite for our listeners? If you choose to be a proactive, uh, ride the wave and you'll be successful through it. Last time this happened to us, it lasted quite a while. It lasted really from 81, 82 until arguably the mid 90s. It was a it was not just a year. It was not just a two years. It was about a 10 to 15 year run. I don't see that this time. Do you? It may not probably won't be as long, but it's going to be a protracted period. Uh and the, infl- uh, the inflation wasn't a problem for all that time, but the damage to ag with interest rates, inflation, and then the bottom falling out from a lot of reasons, lack of demand, foreign foreign problems, and then uh, the interest rate uh, damage, that's what lasted. I'm saying, yes, it wasn't inflationary times for that whole run. The, hang- the hangover was rough. The hangover it was-, was rough. <laughs> Yeah, so it wasn't around. So anyway, you're you're not thinking we're going to have that. All right, his name's Lee Lubers. My name's Damian Mason. Thanks for being here. Until next time, we appreciate you being here. That's Lee. I'm Damian. Check out more of our great stuff. And uh, until next time, this is Extreme Ash Cutting the Curve. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cutting the Curve. For more information that you can apply to your farm operation, visit extremeag.farm. Are your crops stressed out? Ag Explorer has you covered with a full line of products to help protect your crop from environmental stressors such as cold and wet or heat and drought. Check out agexplorer.com and start protecting your yields and profits.